Welcome to another edition of the Baseball America podcast, uh, the Prospect Handbook podcast, which, as it normally is, I had a couple weeks there where we weren't together, but uh, it's me, J.J. Cooper, joined by Ben Battler. And Ben, I I have to ask you before we get piled in, you know, jump into this anymore, how are you holding up? Uh, July 2 is is coming uh, very shortly. Yeah, it's busy. A lot of, a lot of calls, a lot of texts, emails, instant messages, everything, so... Um, but we got our, our top 30 is up right now on the site. Uh, the list is free. All the reports are for subscribers. And, and there's a, a mention with every player on, on where I think he's going to sign at this point. Um, on Monday, we're going to have final predictions for where I think everybody in the top 30 is going to sign and something our usual team by team forecast. So, um, you know, we have probably I have reports on maybe over 100 or so players. I don't know if we're going to put them all up, but uh We'll be adding reports to the to the top 30 file on probably at least 20 more guys, maybe more uh, as July 2nd comes around. And then obviously July 2nd will be a, a busy day. <laughs> yeah, it's it is. It's a it's it's become a, a busier and busier day every year. Uh, I, I can say it. I you know, won't make Ben brag about himself, but it's fun reading Uh the, all the coverage that Ben does on this, it's this turned July two into a day. It's not something where anymore you just hear about a couple guys who, who sign for big money. And then everyone else we kind of find out about when they come to the States. Now we're, we're finding out a lot about them before they get to the States. And a lot of times we're also finding out, Hey, just because this guy signed for more money, actually, maybe this is the guy to watch for. And, and that obviously happens a lot. So go to baseballamerica.com. All of uh, Ben's, July 2 coverage is there as we get ready for the international signing period, which starts next week. But we do want to remind you and thank everyone uh, for the downloads. We want to also thank our our, our uh, ad partners over at DraftDay.com. DraftDay.com is a new concept that offers short-term or daily fantasy sports games for real money. The concept is simple. You pick the day you want to play instead of fantasy lineup. If your picks perform well that day, you win. You can play for free or real money, and they award cold, hard cash nightly to the top-performing players. They've already awarded more than $10 million, and it's completely legal to play. DraftDay.com also has a new rapid-fire game that takes one minute to play with huge payouts. Just pick between a few choices of players and choose the ones that will score the most points. It's that easy. All you need is three of five correct to double your money. DraftDay is offering a special offer to Baseball America listeners, so be sure to head to DraftDay.com and enter the promo code BAPODCAST, and that'll start you off with a free instant cash bonus. If you like free money, head to DraftDay.com and use promo code BAPODCAST. Thanks again to DraftDay.com. Uh, but what we wanted to talk about today for the uh, for the majority of the podcast is the Futures game. Futures games rosters are out. I It's always a fun time of the year. Ben and I both will be at City Field uh, in a couple of weeks to, to see the Futures game. And I don't know about you, Ben. Last year has a very good lineup, very good rosters. I feel like this year is the best rosters, the, the two best rosters, that I've seen at least right now, we may, we may lose a couple of guys to injuries. We've already lost one in Jorge Slayer, but especially with the addition of, you can vote to add one more player to the, uh, to each team. You, you add it up and, and there's not a whole lot of guys that I want to see that I don't at least understand why we're not seeing there. Are, there are certain limitations we have it can only be two players from any team only can play two players at any position besides pitchers. So we are a little limited, but, you look at this, and, and I guess I will start with, 
who are to you, who jumps out as kind of the guys that you wish were here who aren't going to be here, at least right now, before we know the results of the uh, the uh, final spot voting? Yeah, that's the thing is that pretty much everybody, I feel like most of the top guys we want to see are here. And then you also have some other guys who are, you're like, man, I, I, don't, I don't know if I put him in like a top 25 or like a top 50 list necessarily, but I really want to see what this guy has. Somebody like Henry Urushia mm-hmm. with the Orioles out of Cuba or like DePaula or Michael and Noah, who I, I'm fascinated to see him pitch and, and just see what he has at, he at this point. He does pitch. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's amazing when he's, he- I mean, when he was healthy, he, I've got, I still haven't gotten a scouting report on a 16-year-old pitcher that was as good as Inoa back in, in 2008, but obviously the injuries have just kind of derailed but him for to, a long time. That being said, I'm very fascinated to see him because the stuff apparently right now, I talked to a scout who's seen him in the Midwest League, and he said, hey, this is the closest thing to the stuff we heard about 16-year-old Inoa that we've seen. It's a lot closer oh, yeah. to that now than it was, you know, last year or the year before or the year before that. And I think even the year before that, isn't that what we're going back to now? I mean, he's, we're, we're talking well, about every year of his career. He's been bad. I mean, or just injured. And part of it, I mean, I think the A's were, you know, waiting around. Oh, we don't want to, we don't want him to have surgery. And it sort of delayed things for him and it just kept him off the field and it kept him injured. And then they're trying to be careful, bringing him back. And the stuff wasn't returning immediately, but now it's like you said, it's it's jumped up a lot, <laughs> which is is good to see because he is a, a a significant talent. The thing that we are also going to have to see is is it's going to be a race for the A's between he's still a long long ways away, but when it comes to roster decisions and all, he's not, and and that's kind of yeah. bad news with this. Yeah, they're going to have to. He's already on the forty man roster. <laughs> Oh, I mean, he might end up in the bullpen just because of that, unfortunately, and, and obviously the injury history there. But um, uh, hope, hopefully he can – you'd like to see him stay as a starter if, if possible. Um, you know, the one guy who you've asked me about who isn't there, you know, I'd, I'd love to see Carlos Correa there. Uh, the, the issue is that uh, – one of the things, too, is that when we – you know, we help, we help make the rosters for the teams. Obviously, we don't have the final say over it all, but – we don't we don't just take middle infielders. You have to take shortstops, and then you have to take second baseman. Right. So, especially on the world team, it's like, man, I would love to see Carlos Correa. I would love to see Alan Hansen. I would love to see Javier. Ba- I mean, there's so many good world shortstops <laughs> that I would love to have in there, but you just can't throw them all in there. So that's why. You know, you pick from the second baseman, and and some guys have to get left out. But yeah, I mean, the one guy to me, and I mentioned it before. I mean, Correa to me sounds a lot like Manny Machado, and I've heard that comparison uh, from people in the game before. I, I think he's gonna hit a ton. He's he's already doing it as one of the youngest guys in the Midwest League because he's young for you know even for his for his draft class. So for him to be hitting the way he does, he knows the strike zone, the way that swing works, and the bat speed and the size that he has. I think the power is, you know, it's it's not showing up, you know, over the fence power right now, but maybe in it'll in be there two or three. It'll it'll be there. I mean, it's it's like you know, Machado is is uh, might be might set the <laughs> the major league record this year for doubles in a game, um, and part of that is just eventually he's going to get even stronger in some of those balls. Uh, a lot of those doubles are going to start going over the fence. You know, Correa is even further away, 
but eventually I think that power is going to come. I, I'd love to see him in the game, but, you know, obviously you can see with the roster uh, limitations why he why he might not fit in right now. Right. It really came down to you've got your choices. Okay, you can take two world shortstops. Xander Bogart, as good as Correa is, I do think that Bogarts and Lindor are better prospects than him. And you ask, Agreed. you throw on top of that that they're both also closer to the big league. So this is the last Xander Bogarts Futures Games appearance. I, I would be shocked if we see Xander Bogarts eligible for the Futures Game at this time next year. And with Lindor, he's a level above uh, where Correa is. And as as great as Correa is, there, I have talked to a couple of scouts, seen him in the Midwest League, who say, you know, I, I don't know. I think he's going to be an excellent third baseman down the road. And the reason they point to on that is, is they say, one of the things they say is, is not just the body, not just the frame, but he's an average runner at best right now. And the kind of the expectation is, is okay, if he gets bigger, he's going to slow down. Is that first step quickness still going to be enough to, to kind of stay at shortstop? Probably can if you want to be an offensive shortstop, but he also may end up being that that uh, all-star third baseman. Lindor is kind of the more the the traditional shortstop. I mean, the size, the 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 switch hitting lines the ball, you know, all over the field, hits for average with some pop, great defensive shortstop. It's going to be fun to see him. Uh, you know, it's going to be fun to see. There's a number of guys in this, this game. It's going to be fun to see. But you did hit on it that there is the, – the unfortunate thing is, is that there's limitations for this, which are understandable limitations, but that do make it a little bit tougher than, uh, than just saying, hey, take the top 50 prospects and put them in the game because two prospects per team. Like you look at – the Astros need a second base, U.S. second second baseman. Delano Shields is one of the better U.S. second basemen available for the U.S. team. George Springer, who's having a monster year, makes all kind of sense in the outfield. Well, that does also mean, though, even with Correa, unless he gets added as the extra guy, you, you already have two guys for the Houston, you know, for the Astros. You didn't really have a fit for Correa. You also would love to have Lance McCullers or Mike Fultonewitz on this, you know, roster. But you're, again, you've maxed out at those two. Um, and so you're kind of already, you're already limited there for the world team. Eddie Rosario would be a great looking second baseman to have on this club. Uh, no chance, (laughs) no chance chance at all. And I don't want him here. Nothing against you, Eddie, but, uh, but Byron Buxton, Miguel Sano, that's the best one, two of any team that's coming to this thing. And that was a no brainer. Those two guys are worth coming to the game by itself. You know, if you just told me we're going to fill them up the rest of it, you know, out kind of just org guys, but Byron Buxton, Miguel Sano are there. I, I'm coming. I, I want to see that. But yeah, we, and we talked about uh, those two guys on an earlier podcast, and I know you saw him uh, recently and, and wrote a really, really great story about uh, Buxton. I mean, to me, I mean, where where do you stand on on those two guys now when you stack them up? Well, to me, Buxton is the best prospect in the game, um, and I think Sano's top five. I'm, we're, you know, we're working on the midseason uh, prospect update right now, and I, I just think Buxton is the all, you know, the well-rounded all. It's almost like, okay, so what doesn't he do well? Sano is the guy who has two of, you know, one of the. It's got a great arm. Okay, that's a loud tool, but the reality is, is that an arm isn't something that you're. No one makes a top uh, a top hundred. Uh, no position player based on a great arm, even catchers. Uh, but he also has that that outstanding power, and he's shown 
significant improvement this year as far as uh, bat-to-ball skills, as far as pitch recognition, the, the things you wanted to see improvement from this year for him. You know, it's funny. I, I'm not lumping him in the same group. I am excited that we have Miguel Sano in this game. And if you talked about kind of the U.S. version of Miguel Sano, although I do think a tick below him as far as prospect-wise, you know, overall and, and all that. But Joey Gallo is the U.S. third baseman who has massive power, a massive arm, and those are kind of the tools that stand out. I think Sano's hitting ability is significantly above Gallo, but I, I know I'm looking forward to see Gallo take BP because I think it's going to be loud. It's going to balls are going to disappear. You know, it, it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, I think Sano Sano's a much more. He's not a refined hitter, but he's a much more advanced hitter right now right. Uh, compared to Gallo. Whereas Gallo, yeah, like you said, power, loft, backspin. The BP, I'm sure, will be fun to watch. You hope he runs into one in a game because uh, then everybody could see it. But uh, obviously the hit tool for him is uh, is a long way off. I could see him spending uh, a lot of years in, in AAA trying to figure it out and, and hopefully uh, breaking through because somebody, you know, you just hope he has enough contact frequency to be able to get to that power because the power is just fun to watch. I, I'm, I'm old and I uh, I own that at this point. But I got to watch Russ Brannion when he was in uh, the South Atlantic League. And there are some similarities, I think, there. I I think Gallo has a chance to be a better player than Brannion. But Brannion did have a a reasonably lengthy career. And in the years that he hit 250, he was pretty valuable as a third baseman. Um, But the reason, I mean, it obviously jumps out for one because Gallo is chasing Brannion's South Atlantic League home run record. And... They did it in kind of similar ways in that they hit tons of home runs and they had tons of strikeouts. I do think that Gallo already is showing a little bit more ability to uh, to refine that hit tool than, than Brannion did. And one of the reasons I say that is, is Brannion did it in his second time. He hit 40 in his second time through the Sally League. Gallo, you know, is hitting... Gallo is a productive player right now as a Sally League. I mean, beyond just the power. He's hitting a, enough that it's not something where he's not having a Courtney Hawkins year, where basically Courtney Hawkins in high A, he hits a homer or he gets out. Joey Gallo, it's a little bit more than that. Now, there's still a long way to go as far as looking at the hit tool and saying, okay, is it going to be enough to, to just to survive? Because you, you, I don't care what kind of power you have. If you're hitting a buck 90, 200 at the big league level, you're not sticking around. But you do look at it, and I think that there's a better chance for him than, than maybe Braining. But I can't help but at least think back a little bit to, to Russ Braining coming through that same league because there, there's some similarities there. Um, I don't know about you, but to me, again, there's a lot of guys I look forward to seeing in this game. Uh, but, but Gregory Polanco is, as far as guys I've not seen in person, I, I think Polanco may be... If he's not at the top of the list, he's really close to the top of the list for me as far as guys who I just want to see him in person. I've watched some, you know, I've watched him play in games on MILB TV and all, but to see him in person and to see, okay, is he everything that when I talk to scouts, it seems like that they think he is. I, I, I'm fascinated to see him play to, in this game. Yeah, it's he's a guy, he's not obviously at the level of Buxton, but he's one of those guys where it's like, all right, well, well what can't he do? Right. I mean, he can hit. Uh, he can. Uh, this, you know, look, he's six foot four, so he's got those long arms. It's and some scouts say that that he may be taller than that now. <laughs> oh yeah. So I mean, I, I could see him. I could see him coming up 
at some point in a couple of years in, in the big leagues and being like uh, like Dominic Brown tore through double A mm-hmm. and, you know, hidden triple A. And, and then he got to the big leagues and, and there was an adjustment period for him to cut down on his swing a little bit. And, and he was able to, he's been able to make that adjustment finally this year. He also had so, some injuries that I think delayed his, you know, breakout a little bit. But I could see Polanco coming up to the big leagues and then maybe having to shorten up that swing a little bit. But I think at some point, even if there is an adjustment period there, he'll get there because he's showing that he can hit in the minor leagues. He's got a a pretty solid eye at the plate. The you know with his size, the bat speed, I think it's probably you know maybe average power now. But it, it, I think he has a potential to be an above average power guy and, and you can put him in center field. He can run around out there. Obviously I don't know that he's going to play there in Pittsburgh. Right. They, they've got, but, they could have three center fielders playing in the outfield down the road. That's the, uh, yeah, the fascinating it's part. Absurd. So, but he could play, obviously if we're just ranking these guys in a vacuum. We're not looking at where these guys might play for their team for the, that they're with in the organization right now. You know, he could be a, a true center fielder, who can hit, who can get on base, hit for power. I I, I can't wait to see him play. Um, you know, we mentioned uh, Joey Gallo. One of the, the world third basemen that I want to see is is Michael Franco. Mm-hmm. Because if you had told me, I mean, when he signed like three years ago or so, and he was in the Gulf Coast League and he wasn't really hitting, if you had told me then, yeah, Ben, and you know, and when this guy's 20 years old, he's going to be in double A and, and tearing it up. I would have been like, all right, <laughs> I, I don't know about that. I mean, he, he had power, he had arm strength, but he was, you know, obviously not, uh, he's not going to beat many people in a foot race, and, and he wasn't exactly tearing it up with the plate back then. Hey, but just... the improvements, <laughs> yeah, the improvements that he's made over the last year and a half are unbelievable. I mean, he's got that unconventional arm bar stroke, but you know, I don't know. So does Todd Frazier. Mm-hmm. He, he finds a way to, to put a bat, the bat to the ball and it, he doesn't seem to have any problems squaring the ball up. So, uh, you know, we'll see if it works for him later up. It's, it's not conventional, but if, if this guy keeps hitting, I don't want to say this way, cause he's hitting 500 in double a, but <laughs> you know, if he keeps hitting the way he was hitting in the Florida Staley, the way he's hitting in double a, I mean, the guy has like 19 home runs in the year and worth the halfway point, uh, and and he's not swinging and missing much at all. Uh, I, I don't see why we would really hold that too much against him, uh, just for having a little bit of an unconventional stroke. Because it, it seems like he really can, you know, really has feel for the barrel, and, and he's got plenty of power too. Yeah. Um, by the way, uh, and when you say that he won't beat a whole lot of guys in foot races, I, there aren't many guys we can say this, but yeah, including me and you might actually have a chance against him in a foot race. I mean, he's He's one of the slower third basemen in the non-Wilmer Flores category, but who, again, I, from what I've heard also defensively for him, it's it's something where he, you know, that doesn't seem to limit him as much as you would expect at third base. It, it limits him, but not not maybe as much as you would expect. One other thing that jumps out for this game is going to be in New York. We got Noah Syndergaard, Rafael Montero, and then the Yankees are sending Rafael DePaula. That's three really, those are three really interesting arms. This is, there are going to be guys, if you're a Mets fan, there's a good reason to go to this game. And that's one of the things that jumps out to me that may not have been true a lot of times in recent years. But you, you want to see Noah Syndergaard. I, I'm going to be fascinated. Again, Rafael Montero is a guy I've watched on, on video. I've not seen in person. 
I'm really looking forward to seeing him because he, he's got his numbers are exceptional. His whip for his career is below one. His stuff is very solid. This is not a guy who's doing it with a you know a, a high 80s fastball or anything like that. It, it does seem like with him the biggest knock is, is he's a short right-hander, but. I, I want to see, is there more to it than that? Or is there, is that really the, the biggest uh, question with him? Yeah. I remember when he, the Mets signed him and he was like 20 years old and he came over the Gulf coast league. And I was like, I was like, I've never even heard of this guy. I was calling around. And I was like, who, who is this guy? And it was just some older, you know, that 20 is older in yeah. <laughs> the Dominican Republic. They signed him for like 80 grand or, or something. I forget the exact bonus, but it was under a hundred. I'm pretty sure. Uh, they saw him pitching one of those Dominican Prospect League games. They said, "Yeah, we'll give you a little money," and he just flew through that system. And like you said, he's, you know, he's six feet tall. I don't know I, if you just look at the history of Dominican pitchers, most of the best ones are six feet or less. Right. <laughs> and some are listed at six feet, and they're not six feet. <laughs> so with Montero, you know, in a futures game kind of setting, you know, somebody like Syndergaard is maybe gonna be a little bit more impressive because you're going to see the arm strength. Yeah, you're going to see 97, 98, you know, from Syndergaard, and he's probably going to break off a really nice curveball or two, too. Yeah, whereas Montero, he's – it's not like he's a – he's not a soft tosser. He's still sitting in the low 90s, maybe a little higher in, in the Futures game setting if he wants to ramp it up a little bit. But he just has really good feel for pitching. I don't think he has like a like a knockout secondary pitch which is, is is somewhat of a concern just in terms of how high you want to put him in a rotation. But I was going to say his secondary stuff, though, his, his breaking ball is it's 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 a solid pitch. It's yeah. I don't know if it's an yeah. out pitch, but it is a it's something that you definitely have to look for. I mean, because it is he can throw strikes with it. He can get at least some, you know, he can get you off balance a little bit with it from a little bit I've seen. But yeah, it's not a like <laughs> If you look like you're looking at like Matt Harvey as like like a wipeout slider, right. you're not going to get that out of Montero. But he spots his fastball. He has outstanding fastball command for his, especially relative to his experience level right. in just in baseball in, in general. Given how you know when he signed his background, all that, it's it's really remarkable. So I'm excited to to see him pitch uh, although I, I don't know that we'll necessarily get like the full he's kind of more like a jaco remember jaco to rizzi uh before like when he pitched in in the game I, I think last year it was um you know it's it's, it's more of that kind of style so he's not going to light it up but uh you mentioned apala i mean for i think i was writing about him for like four or five <laughs> years before he signed and, and it was i was like people must think i'm crazy saying this guy is you know, one of the best pitching prospects in Latin America, and, and he can't get signed, and he's, you know, changing his age, and uh, he's this age undetermined guy, according to MLB, and he's, he's signing for $500,000, and I'm saying he's better than Gerardo Concepcion, who signs for like $7 million because the international market is just bizarre. But, I mean, this guy, obviously, you can see. <laughs> what he did to South Atlantic League hitters, what he's doing now in the Florida State League, and the stuff is legitimate stuff. It's not like he's, you know, doing this with smoke and mirrors. He's coming right after guys with power stuff. I could see him getting in that game and putting on a, a pretty nice show. No, I think he's one of the guys who, 
if you ask me to predict who's going to come out of this game with people, the scouts raving and, and people talking about, I think DePaul is one of the guys. Because if you haven't seen him yet, and there's a lot of people who haven't, understandably. He hasn't been in the U.S. very long. But if you haven't, you're going to see, especially in a one-inning outing, you're going to see a high 80, you know, high 90s fastball and a really, really good breaking ball. He's going to be from a really good body. I mean, it's, he's going to be a guy who people go, wow, wow. And I think he's got, as far as the pitchers, you look at him, of the guys who aren't top 10, you know, Archie Bradley's going to probably impress a lot there. Well, but mm-hmm. that's no real surprise. Um, I'm interested to see any Romero again, because if you're talking about, and again, we don't want to get too hung up on the velo, but if you're talking about guys who are going to light up the gun, light up the pitch effects in this game, any Romero is another one of those guys. And from everything I've heard, his fastball command this year has taken significant step forward. Now, that doesn't mean his secondary stuff's still not all that polished, and he may end up being just a kind of a, a power reliever, but there aren't a whole lot of lefties who are going to, again, in a one-inning stint, we may see him 97, 98, 99, and, and there aren't a whole lot of those guys out there. So I'm going to be fascinated to watch him. Um, you know, Billy Hamilton, we got him back in this game this year, and it'll be fascinating to see if you know what he is home to first or what he is home to third if he, you know, gets into one or, or something like that. Um, but I, the thing that does jump out to me, I did want to ask you about this because you know more about the world team than about anyone because you've been following these guys for years. But the thing that jumps out is, is usually for this game, we saw it last year with Ariel Pena who just kind of disintegrated and I think gave up eight runs without getting an out. Um, but usually in this game, the real weaknesses are – the world pitching staff is just usually too thin for this game. I do feel like this year it's still thinner than the U.S. pitching staff, but the world pitching staff to me is among the deepest. It's a, it's about as deep as I can remember it being because there's not a whole lot of guys who you say, okay, well, wait, what's that guy doing here? Yeah, there's a couple like Andre Rienzo. Right, that one stands out a little bit. He is like, you know... They, they, these guys are kind of they have, they have a chance to be contributors in the big leagues, but my like that excited to see somebody who projects as like a you know a, a middle reliever, eh, uh, not so much. But but that said, you know look at what, one of the guys who I think brings up the staff because of what the Reds have done with him is Carlos Contreras, mm-hmm. taking a guy who had been a reliever and all of a sudden last year really started to show, you know, better stuff and much, much better control than he ever had before. And they say, all right, well, why is this guy, why are we keeping this guy in in the bullpen? Why not make him a starter and, you know, at least see what we have. So him I'm excited to see because just because of the the real kind of breakout year that he's had. And, And then you go, you know, a lot of these guys on the world team too are, kind of in the lower minors, so I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, somebody like Inoa or, you know, Miguel Almonte got hit pretty hard in the game, but, uh, you know, Almonte, out of you know, the Royals signed him only like a few years ago, and he hasn't been in the pitching in the States very long, but it, it sounds like he's got really good stuff. 12K uh, outing uh, this week, which, and when his, he, his fastball is really good his change up is really good as well 
the curveball is flashes. The problem is, is that his fastball and changeup are so good that there's days he kind of shelves it. I'm, you know, I'll, I'll obviously be looking forward to seeing him. Uh, I did want to jump in. We got a couple of we we got some future game questions. People hit us up on Twitter. I'm JJ Coop 36. He's uh, at Ben Badler. And I, I got to say, Wes Yee uh, on Twitter. Uh, this question is is my probably one of my favorite of the, the week we got here. Would you rather have Harper and Trout or every player in the futures game? You get all of them. I get every. You get the entire futures <laughs> games roster, or you get Trout and Harper. I do. I get both, or I have to. You get both. Pick one. You get so Harper get and Trout. Okay. Uh, yeah, offered I would trade, go... And it's, you have Harper and Trout. Do you trade that for the entire futures games rosters? So yeah, guys. I would take the I would take the entire roster. I would too. <laughs> I don't think I, <laughs> I don't think that even. I mean, obviously, I love Trout and I, I love Harper more than anybody in the game. I, I would probably take them. You know, if we're talking building a franchise around a player, I would take probably Trout, and then Harper would be my my next pick. But uh, no, there there's so many guys in this game. Absolutely, because especially, and you're going to have them cost-controlled for all these guys are cost-controlled. So if you told me, okay, so I can put together an outfield and it's going to have, okay, you can have Trout and Harper. I may have to wait a couple of years, but I've got Buxton and Tavares and Polanco and with backups of, I mean, also just the amount of, the thing about it is, is all those guys you'd have, then the, the also the trade chips you would have. Yeah, I mean, it, it I found it interesting because it's like, okay, I, I don't know where that line would be drawn where you said, okay, can I have, I would probably take those two over any, and you said, I can have any eight guys or something like that because there is something to be said for what they've already done. But yeah. The fun, the fun thing about those, two, especially Harper, I think it was last year, I forget how many players it was, but Harper was in the, the major league all-star game, like a, a day or two later, it must've been two days later, but at the futures game, I think we looked at the rosters and we realized there were maybe like one or, or two guys who were younger than him, who were younger than him in the futures game. And this year it's probably not, there's probably a lot of guys in the futures game who are still older. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. A lot, a lot. I mean, cause just think about it. It's, there's still guys, a number of guys in this game who came from the draft class. I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing Anthony Renato in this game. Anthony Renato, has got to be what three years older than Harper, and yeah. he's not the only one. There's other guys. It's funny. It's it's on the flip side. It's like Taiwan Walker is still really young. It just feels like because Taiwan Walker's in this game every year. It's like, oh, welcome back, Taiwan. I'm looking forward to seeing him again. Um, but so that was a that I do appreciate that question, Wes Yee. Uh, BGO for Hall of Fame asks, why no Fulton Awitz? I think we did cover that, which is you only can get two Astros. And yeah, I, I, if you said on a pure prospect standpoint, would you rather have Delano Shields or Fulton Awitz or McCullers? You probably would rather have either of those other two, but you got to have a second baseman for this game. And the second base, really the, the interesting thing, I wrote a story about this not that long ago, but the first baseman in this game, especially the U.S. first baseman, I think is probably the weakest position on the U.S. team, which may seem surprising, but there aren't there weren't a whole lot of other candidates out there either. 
Yeah, that surprised me too, actually. Usually, every year, the world first baseman is always like, all right, we'll get some dude from Canada because he's going to hit left-handed and play first base. And Jordan Leonardson, <laughs> come on down. Yeah, so we usually have that, or we'll get like a guy like Yonder Alonso. Um, but usually it's very thin for the world side. But yeah, the U.S. side, usually we can find, you know, like an Eric Hosmer or somebody like that. This year it was yeah, it was pretty thin. Your CJ Crone and Joey Trudosovich are your uh, are your U.S. first baseman. Uh, on the world side, we have uh, Jordan Leonardson from the Tigers we talked about, and also. Jorge Alfaro, who thankfully played some first base this year, but uh, to be honest, if he plays catcher in this game, I'd probably be more excited because I, I want to see him throw. But uh, but no, it's it's that's the position that really stood out. Uh, usually, you get plenty of U.S. outfielders. The pitching staff, as always, there's more than and really the U.S. outfield this year. You'd love to see adding uh, Nick Castellanos. There's a couple other guys who have been great to see, but. Sorry, you can't. There's just there's only five spots. The U.S. pitching staff, you're always leaving off guys who you would love to see, and there's a number of guys this year who get left off. Just you know, we talk about two Astros guys. There's probably five other guys I can name off the top of the head. But I did think that also this year, you know, as we kind of uh, uh, kind of wrap up talking about this this futures game uh, rosters, the the world second baseman for a change. Usually, that's the position where we're really scuffling. Arzmendi Alcantara is a guy I want to see. You know, he's, he's also Dilson Herrera is a solid prospect. Both world second basemen are not afterthoughts this year. And I'm sorry, Ching Ping Pan, who, when I'm looking at you, you know, guys like that was on last year. This year, Alcantara is a guy who, who can play a little bit of both. I, I'm kind of very interested in seeing what he does at this game and kind of what he looks like. Yeah, you got those two. I mean, and we could have, you know, Rugnet Odor of, of the Rangers. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I might take him over both those guys. Obviously, I you might know, be voted he's in. He's, he's yeah. one of the the uh, the guys to be added. Yeah. So, but yeah, and Herrera is a guy. You know, Herrera, I think Herrera has some similarities to uh, you know to Odor, just as a guy who just has that natural feel for hitting. I mean, you take some of well, there's a lot of you know raw athletes. Teams hope they can teach him to hit, but. Uh, there's just something, you know, the, the swing is to me is more of a, almost more of a skill than a tool. Just something that comes, I don't want to say necessarily naturally, but it's it's hard to make pretty significant adjustments to a swing. But Odor, That's Herrera, Brett Jackson about that. Yeah, I mean, but though like like Herrera and Odor just have this natural rhythm, natural swings that they've just always been able to hitting games wherever they go. That's always been something we've heard about from scouts on, on both guys. Although obviously when, when you have a, you know, neither guys like a super athlete or, or a real big guy. So, uh, you know, maybe that makes scouts a little bit hesitant to warm up to them at times, but you know, th- th- these guys, I think are just going to hit all the way up through the minor leagues and, and get themselves to the big leagues. So I'm pretty excited to see Herrera. I don't think he's necessarily going to, you know, do any kind of, anything stand out because he's not a big power guy he's not a big runner so he's not gonna put on a big show in in uh, either in bp or, or in the game like somebody like billy hamilton might do just when you watch him you know run but but just watching those guys and, and getting to see their hitting approaches and uh, that's you know obviously odor won't be there but 
uh, seeing Herrera there is, is certainly an interesting guy for me. That that leads into the question. So uh, Susie MJK asks us, of the players available for the fan-voted Futures Game roster spot, who do you most like to see play? So the guys, here are our candidates. for the. We, we'll do U.S. team first. We got Tyler Austin, Nick Castellanos, Garen Cicchini, Courtney Hawkins, and Brandon Nemo. Um, all of those guys are solid prospects. If you said who doesn't stand out on that, you know, who kind of jumps out of what was he on this list? Hawkins maybe a little bit because he is hitting under 200 in high A at a level probably above where he should be. But who of those group, is there uh, someone who stands out to you that you'd really want to see kind of, who, if you were voting, you would vote for? Castellano. I mean, to me, Castellano is pretty... In a, in a pretty easy decision for me, just because I think he's by far the best prospect of that group. I, you know, I've seen him before, but I, I, I'm, I'm interested to see what he's, what uh, the adjustments that he's made this year. I think, you know, Matt and I were talking about it on our last podcast. He's always, he's another guy who's just kind of hitting and sort of come naturally to him. He, he did kind of have some high strikeout numbers early in his career, but He's re- he cut that down this year. He's always had those like hitting instincts, just a, a good a- approach at the plate, just, and, and just a good knowledge of of how pitchers are, are trying to attack him. Uh, I think he's made a lot of adjustments this year that's really helped him take that next step to you know to to get to where he is right now because he's he's not striking out as much as he was before. Uh, I wasn't really convinced that having him start the year in triple a was the right decision because he did not hit well at all in double yeah. a last year. So when they put him to triple a, I, you know, they do tend to move their guys a little bit faster than, than most organizations sometimes. But I, I didn't, I didn't think that, you know, he really merited coming up, but obviously that was wrong <laughs> because he's absolutely annihilating that league. No, I, I'm going to make a, a pitch for uh, for Garen Cicchini, and it is a little selfish for one. I, I've seen Hawkins, I've seen Nemo, and I, I feel like I've got a pretty decent feel for Castellanos, but I kind of want to see Cicchini and, and see kind of what, what he can do. And also, if you talk about the guys who are kind of the breakout prospects of, uh, of 2013, I think he'd be pretty high up on that list as a guy who's really had just an outstanding year and really kind of raised his, his prospect status. So, but I think oh, yeah. Castellanos also is a, a very good, you know, either, either one of those two, I'd be thrilled to see uh, added to the, the U.S. team. So here's the world team options. We've got Javier Baez, Jimon Choi, Carlos Correa, Renato Nunez, Roned, uh, Ro- and you pronounce it properly, Odor. The, uh, second yeah, year. Rugi. Rugi, thank you. Yeah. So <laughs> of those five, who would, who I think, are you going Correa, I, I take it? You know what, for... As a prospect, out of all those guys, I would have Correa number one. Um, Agreed. By, I, I would love to see – I mean, Baez is bat speed. I would love to see that I mean, and, and the power that he has. But, you, you know, I, I, I would I would like to see Correa in the game the most just from a prospect standpoint. But out of, out of all those guys, one of the, one of the most intriguing names is Renato Nunez. Mm-hmm. Because when he signed, uh, you know, the, the A's kind of redid some of their, you know, international scouting and, and really sort of started to get back into it a, a few years ago. You know, first with the Michael and Noah signing, uh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> and then a couple of years later, they gave, I think it was like $2.2 million to Renato Nunez out of Venezuela. And the word on him at the time was 
he potentially, you know, could be one of the best hit hitters in that class for average and, and for power. And I don't, you know, I, uh, the defense is rudimentary at the time, but, you know, he, he had, uh, you know, a really rough year, his first year in pro ball, but then the last couple of years and, and now what he's doing in the Midwest league, he's, he's hitting, he's hitting for power. I think he, I, I wouldn't call him like an under the radar guy, but what he's doing is, is certainly getting a, a lot of attention just because of the bad. I, I don't know that he's going to stay at, at third base, which really concerns me. I know some teams have thought about putting him behind the plate when he signed because of, uh, you know, his body type and his uh, lack of defensive prowess, I suppose. But I, I don't see that happening for him. But I, I'd be very curious to see how uh, that bat is, is coming along in person. I, I would vote for Baez. Um, a little bit selfishly, I've seen Correa in person. I haven't seen Baez. But also just because you're talking, again, two shortstops, one who's at a higher level. So I kind of want to get the guy who we're going to have less chances to have in the futures game probably down the road right. than Correa. And also, again, the bat speed. And also, I just want to see how, you know, you hear differing opinions on uh, Baez's defense. I'd love to see him in person to see kind of what he looks like in infield, things like that, because – I, again, I'm not a scout, but I'd love to see it with my own eyes. And uh, the bat speed, everyone talks about how special it is. We've seen it this year. He's hit one of the only four home run games in Florida State League history. But uh, at the same time, you hear better things about the defense than you did coming into the draft. So I'd be interested to see that as well. Really, if you said Baez, Correa, Nunez, or Odor, uh, I'd be pretty happy on, on – I'd be pretty happy to see any of those four. Sorry, Choi, no, no offense, but – Less excited to, to, if we saw him as the uh, the addition, just because I don't think it's although he, he is having a good year though he's having a good year. I would be interested at least to see you know what it is is this guy for real or or what is this because he he obviously seems to have some ability with the bat. But you're right, I, I would take all, all those guys over him as as a prospect. But uh, but what he's doing with the with the hitting this year is is worthy of some attention. Yeah, it's not like he looks. You, it's not something where you look at this and say, well, what what's he doing on here? Because and there's really no one. I mean, all five right. guys on both of these. Courtney Hawkins again isn't hitting 200. He does. He is also hitting, uh, and he's really he needs to be in this game down the road when he's kind of refined the hit tool and all. But he also at the same time is leading the Carolina League in uh, home runs per plate appearance. He's also leading in strikeouts per plate that's appearance. A, but that's incredible. <laughs> it's, he does one or the other. I, I've seen both. I've seen him strike out a lot. I've seen him hit homers that uh, he hit one this week that. Uh, it was a monster shot. I didn't see it in person that one this week, I should say. But but he does both. So there's no one on this of these 10 guys. I mean, Brandon Nemo's has uh, missed some time this year. He's only in low A. But, hey, the, you can see the argument there, which is he's one of the best position prospects in the Mets system, and this game's going to be played at the Mets' home park. So there's some logic to that, too. Uh, I'll kind of you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he being added. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up winning the fan vote either. I would not be at all. I, I think – I wouldn't be surprised if Tyler Austin won it. Uh, Yankees fans would get a chance to see uh, another Yankee. And they only right now have one Yankee on the club. So that would be something that wouldn't be surprising either. But, Ben, thanks again. Thanks all for the uh, to everyone for the download and for the listen. Thanks for the questions, all the people who hit us up on Twitter. Uh, we will have, as Ben mentioned, we got the July 2 stuff going up. Uh, we'll have, we're, you know, hot sheet chat is happening as 
we record this podcast, so we got the normal hot sheet on Friday. Probably Sunday afternoon, so you can check for it Sunday or Monday. That that Buxton feature that Ben mentioned will be up on the site. It's a lot longer uh, in the web version than it was in the magazine. So even if you read it in the magazine, there might be some more stuff you're interested in that, that wasn't in the magazine. So we got that coming up. July 2 signing period next week will be all over, obviously, the Futures game. We'll have coverage from the Futures game. Ben and I both will be going to that. We'll have another podcast next week. And again, we want to remind you, want to thank our uh, sponsor, DraftDay.com. DraftDay.com is a new concept that offers short-term or daily fantasy sports games for real money. The concept is simple. You pick the day you want to play instead of fantasy lineup. If your picks perform well that day, you win. You can play for free or real money, and they award cold, hard cash nightly to the top-performing players. They've already awarded more than $10 million, and it's completely legal to play. DraftDay.com also has a new rapid-fire game that takes one minute to play with huge payouts. Just pick between a few choices of players and choose the ones that will score the most points. It's that easy. All you need is three of five correct to double your money. DraftDay is offering a special offer to Baseball America listeners, so be sure to head to DraftDay.com and enter the promo code BAPODCAST, and that'll start you off with a free instant cash bonus. If you like free money, head to DraftDay.com and use promo code BAPODCAST. Thanks again to those guys over at DraftDay.com. For Ben Badler, I'm J.J. Cooper. We'll see you again next week.